Today's episode of What's on Your Bookshelf is brought to you by Insignia Training Partners, the leaders in outsourced L&D talent and resources. Insignia is a full-service learning and development company that provides L&D talent to design, develop, and deploy your training solutions. Insignia specializes in providing the right resources for your projects at a fraction of the cost as opposed to bringing on new full-time employees. This includes fractional chief learning officer services for enterprise training strategy, instructional designers to develop your training content and materials, facilitators to deliver in-person or virtual training to your staff, LMS administrators to manage the process, virtual training producers to make sure your virtual training is engaging and effective, and coaches to support the learning after training is completed. If you don't have a training department, that's okay. Insignia can be your bolt-on training department. With Insignia, you get dedicated resources providing fractional services by specialists in their field. Whether it's onboarding new hires, upskilling your team, or ensuring compliance, Insignia designs impactful programs that stick. Visit insigniatraining.com to discover their full range of services and to schedule a free consultation. Insignia is your partner for training success. Welcome to What's on Your Bookshelf with your hosts, Denise Russo and Samantha Powell. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of What's on Your Bookshelf. This is a life and leadership podcast where we are exploring how to live out loud the pages of the books that are on our bookshelves. My name is Denise Russo. I'm here with my friend, Sam Powell. We're going through an extensive multi-episode series of the best-selling book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. This is the last episode in this series on this book, and we're going to be talking today about some advanced tactics. If you've been subscribing, then you know we have extensive show notes for each of our shows. But if this is a new episode for you, please make sure to check those out because we have lots and lots of extra links for you to take your own advanced tactics into how to make tiny changes into remarkable results in your life, as James says, in this book of Atomic Habits. Sam, I can't believe that we are at the end of this book. How are you doing today? I know. I'm excited. I'm excited, especially because we're going to try to jam-pack a lot into this last episode because this is it's not really the appendix. There's an appendix that's got tons of great stuff in it. This is, uh, you know, after the meat of the book and really talking about uh, like three things to really think about and consider as you are trying to build habits. So I'm, this was, this was a super interesting section for me. And this is one I would encourage people to go read in depth because there's a lot to think about and a lot to, a lot to do, but I am super excited to, to be here and chat with this stuff with you. Awesome. So we're going to be covering really some high level on whether or not the talent that we have is based on who we are, when we were born, or how our bodies are shaped. We're going to be talking a little bit about how do you stay motivated when things start to feel demotivating or maybe blah or comfortable. And we're going to be talking about what are the downsides of creating good habits. But as Sam said, there's so much jam-packed into this book. There are at least, I don't even know, Sam, because there's not numbers on these pages at the end, but I'm going to guess there's at least 20 to 30 or more pages of notes that James Clear puts in the back of the book that all have 
links to other books and articles and research and advice and it's all based on the chapters in his show notes so i would or in his book notes so i would highly encourage you to go buy a copy of this book the link to buy the copy of the book is in our show notes as well but take the time to drink deeply from this good book so mm-hmm. sam let's start with talking a little bit about you had a really interesting story about the success of some kids or young athletes that wasn't just based on how much they practiced yeah so this um this part of the of these advanced tactics is called the truth about talent when genes matter and when they don't. And there were some really great stories about um, some some Olympic athletes in this section. Um, But what this was really getting around to is that you really have to know yourself, know how yourself relates to your environment to know where to lean in for optimal success. And it reminded me of Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers. He's got a really interesting story in me being, you know, sports focused. I uh, This one really stood out to me, but it was about um, high level professional hockey players and how they noticed this pattern that a lot of them were born in the beginning months of the year, like the first quarter. Like, so if you were an elite hockey player, the odds of you having a January, February or March birthday were much higher than any other month in the year. And so they were like, well, why? What is this? Right. And as they dug into it, what they realized is it had to do with youth cutoff ages. And so you would end up being the oldest kids who were participating in the sport if your birthday was beginning of the year. The cutoff was January 1st or the end of the, you know, December 30th or 31st or whatever. And so you would end up being one of the oldest players on the team if your birthday was the beginning of January. And so they were talking about how, you know, people who were elite hockey players weren't really outliers if their birthdays were in those early months because they had a basically a growth advantage Mm. (laughs) to being really good because they were in some cases 11 months older like almost a whole year older than the kids they were playing against I don't know how like how familiar everyone is with children but like a year is a huge difference I can tell you the difference between my son and his friends who are a year older or a year younger is significant when it comes to coordination to overall like body mass muscle mass like things like that and so kids on the same team who are, you know, maturity, all that sort of good stuff. The kids who are older tend to look like the better players, even Mm. though they may not naturally be, they just look it right. So it's an interesting thing. And so the, this chapter in this section really reminded me that you really have to know not only yourself and all the factors that go into you, whether that's genetics, whether that's, you know, how you're built when you're born, uh, your personality, all that sort of good stuff. You've got to look at that compared to the landscape, right? Compared to this identity that you're trying to build and find the path of least resistance, the one that works the best for you, right? So if you're trying to get yourself in shape, you need to find exercise that works for you, right? You don't want to find something that's never going to work for who you are and what you like and what you enjoy. You've got to find the things that really work for everything about you holistically as a person, because that's what's going to set you up for success. So there are sometimes when genetics do matter, right? Like me being a professional basketball player, 
stacked in my favor. I'm five three. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's it's not gonna be me and Muggsy Bogues. Like we're not gonna be the the two people standing out there. Like it's stacked it's stacked against me. But you know, if there were other things where like it helps you to be small and compact, those are the things where like I could shine naturally from like a you know just kind of predisposition but you've got to understand how you interact with the environment the competitive landscape the field around you to really you know set yourself up for success yeah super interesting so i think that in sports it's perhaps easier to look at somebody's physical attributes to make a best guesstimation if somebody would or wouldn't be successful but there's so much more to the human behavior side of it as well it makes me think of the movie blindside and in that movie there was a guy who physically looked like he could be a massive defense player in football a lineman like massive but he didn't like football, didn't understand football, didn't want to knock down other players. So in the movie, they were really talking to him about how to change his mindset about what his role was so that he could be able to succeed in that role in a way that resonated best with him. And the book talks about how the secret to maximizing your odds of success is to choose the right field of competition. And then it goes on to say that the obvious question is, how do you figure out where the odds are in your favor? How do you identify opportunities and habits that are right for you? And that the first place you look for an answer is by understanding your personality. Now, Sam, you and I both are certified in being able to consult, train, and coach on DISC, which is a human behavior assessment. What that mm -hmm. does is really helps you to find out where are you at the center of what I often call and teach Ikigai? It's a Japanese concept. In fact, Scott will put some information in the show notes about an article I wrote about that, which is how do you find that place where your human behavior is at its natural tendencies of the things that you're good at, the things that you love doing, the cultures you like to be surrounded by, and the things that really make you feel like what you're doing is making a difference in this world. So when you think about do genes matter, they do matter to a certain degree, but genes are not just your physical attributes. They're also based on your human behavior characteristics. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's about really understanding yourself. I know every time I do any kind of an assessment, and I've done millions of them at this point, I learn a little bit more about myself and I get a little more insight and I get the words to describe myself. And I start to really understand where am I at an advantage? Where am I not at an advantage? And it doesn't mean I can't be successful in the places where I'm not an advantage. It just means that the road ahead of me looks different than the mm -hmm. one that I would be playing in where I'm advantaged in, right? And mm -hmm. I think that that's one of the big things to think about when you're, you know, when you're considering, hey, I'm trying to move towards this identity. I'm trying to develop these really good habits. No, knowing what that road looks like, right? I'm a, I'm in my zone. I'm not necessarily in my zone. Yeah. Then, then you know what you have to do and how you have to behave accordingly and, you know, and set yourself up a little bit a little bit differently and where you need to stretch, which kind of leads us into the segues to the next the chapter. Next so yeah. we all know the story of Goldilocks, which is, you know, this seat is too hard. This one is too soft. This pillow is too big. This pillow is too small. This food is too hot. <laughs> it's too cold. Okay. So Goldilocks was trying to find that right 
sweet spot. So for this one, you just also talked about assessments. There's an interesting assessment from Patrick Lencioni in his book, Working Genius, which is sort of like an expanded version on human behavior, which really helps you get into that space of your zone. And Sam, you even have a blog about this topic. And so Scott will put that as well in the show notes. But talk to us a little bit about how do you stay motivated in life and in work? And and what did we learn from James about that? Yeah, so this is what's called the Goldilocks zone, which is getting you uh, outside of where boredom lies, right? Like something's too easy, like, oh, this bed is too soft. It's too, you know, like the porridge is too cold, like, right? It's just you're you're bored, but not in the zone where it's too hard, too hot. It's not that side, right? Which is where you're going to fail, right? You're in an environment that's just too big. This is what my blog is about, is about playing on the right size baseball field, right? Like if you are a t-ball player, don't go, don't go into the professional stadium, right? You're going to get out. You can't run those bases, right? But if you're a professional player, don't go on the t-ball, like you're going to get around them before somebody even gets the ball because probably it's three fields over, right? So finding that zone that that James calls the Goldilocks zone, mm-hmm. um, which actually is, is someone else's, but it's really about finding that just right space where you're stretching a little bit above, a little outside your comfort zone, right? They always say like growth happens in outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Well, what James says is that it's roughly 4% beyond your current ability. So it's actually not much, right? We're talking about atomic habits are tiny changes that make a big difference, right? Like when I think about getting outside my comfort zone, I'm like, oh gosh, that's exhausting. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. But when I think about just 4% outside of my ability, mm-hmm. and that's actually the best place to be working, to grow and to stretch, like I can do 4%. Like 4% is nothing, right? If I did 10 push-ups today, well, if I did five push-ups today, then 4% isn't even really one more. It's like, okay, maybe I just have to do that push up a little tiny one push up a little tiny bit better like that's so small but that's actually the zone that you want to aim for is what James is telling us it's just turning up the heat that little bit extra have you ever heard the story about how well there's probably two little parables about it there's the one story where you put a frog in a pot of cold water and you slowly turn up the heat until it boils and the frog dies because he gets comfortable and he adapts to those surroundings. But then there's another story of some sort of a parable where there's like a donkey who fell into a well. And so the, I don't know if it was a farmer, I can't remember the whole story, but it's either they filled up the well with water or dirt so that they could climb out of it. But it was little bits at a time. Like if you put in too much water, he would have drowned. Or if you put in too much dirt, he would have become buried. But those little things over time help you to be able to get to a higher place. There's even some science behind this. There's this 212 degree fact, which is that before you get to 212 degrees, water can be super hot. It can be boiling, but it doesn't let off steam until it reaches 212 degrees. Well, if you're a steam locomotive engine, you need that one degree extra. You're not going to go from zero to 212. It has to slowly build up over time. And it's these tiny things that happen that ultimately get you to, well, another Malcolm Gladwell book, The Tipping Point. What's going to get you to the point where it's going to tip over? And to the point of this chapter is about not being bored, but getting to your peak motivation and and. In fact, James talks about something that you can read up on, friends, that's called the flow state. It's pretty much one of the the most popular topics out right Mm -hmm. now in the worlds of talent development and organizational development, flow state. So when we have our 
greatest threat to success isn't really failing at something, but it's at being bored at something. You can all think about it. That's why people get burnt out at work. I mean, it could be that they're overworking, but a lot of people get burnt out because it's the same thing every day. It's time to make the donuts and they get bored. And that that creates an environment where they can't find the energy to want to be successful. And so there are a downside of creating good habits. Maybe you've become bored because you're really good at something, but you've become good at something for so long you stopped thinking about how could you take good to great that's actually another book by james collins good to great so this moves us into the last chapter downside of creating good habits i think this takes into play a couple of other great one of my favorite books is intentional living by john maxwell and growth mindset by carol dweck and so in these books it really talks about the habits create the foundation for your mastery but if you don't live with intention and you don't have a uh, a mindset of growing and continuous learning you might master a habit and then stop yep exactly and this this last the third thing in this advanced tactic is making sure that you are not falling into that trap of complacency, right? Like it's okay. I've mastered this habit. I, it's, it's freed up all this mental space for me. I'm doing the thing every day, but not sitting in this zone of, Oh, it's, you know, this is just what I do. You've got to be continuing to push. This is like an, it's never finished. (laughs) You are always trying to reflect, review, figure out how to make it better, figure out how to make it easier, figure out how to, you know, just sit in that growth space. Because if you fall into complacency, it's a really easy way for you to drop the habits, for you to lose the things that you've built, right. To really, you know, get into this space where you stagnate. And if you're, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's John Maxwell always says, like, if you're, if you're not growing, you're dead, right? Mm-hmm. If you're, you get to this point where if you're just not continuing to move, you're not, you know, you're, you're really not doing anything. So it's um, making sure that you continue to push. And I know that the end of this chapter really resonated with you, right? Because it's about breaking the beliefs that hold you back, right? Because we get to a certain level and then sometimes we stop and we see this as coaches all the time. It's one of the biggest things that you don't realize until somebody's sitting down with you that I've actually got a limiting belief here. And I didn't even realize that until I butted up against it. And then I didn't know how to push it you know, a little bit further. I recently was coaching somebody who was going to run an event for their business that they started and they were going to charge a certain amount. And I said, why aren't you charging more than that? Right? Like it seems low to me. Why wouldn't you be charging more? And they're like, oh, like, right. It came around this limiting belief around money, around what they thought they should be doing. And, you know, once we worked past that, she ended up making like double the profits she would have made. Because there was this limiting belief. So those thoughts are just so important. I know for you, Denise, like this is your one of your biggest things that you talk about with school of thoughts for sure is how your thoughts affect everything you do. Your thoughts affect everything you do. And if you can change your thinking, you can really change your life. You know, we hear sometimes people say things like, oh, I want to read 30 books in a month. But remember what we taught early in this series. Do you want to read 30 books in a month or do you want to become known as somebody who dives deeply into learning and applying the books that you're reading? Mm -hmm. 
And that's why we changed the model of our podcast from being, let's just do this quick to give people a high level view, that 20,000 foot view, as opposed to saying, no, let's go in deep and figure out how do we fine tune. James says in this chapter that improvement is not just about learning habits, it's about fine tuning them. And all of that starts first with looking at what are the outcomes that you have in your life? Do you like where you work, what you're doing, who you're doing? it with and the purpose of what it is that your work is about that's that's the outcome what it, what is the thing that you have as an outcome if you don't like the outcome and the results that you have well that comes from an action that you did or didn't take about something atomic habits is about making good habits and breaking bad ones it's about an activity it's an action it's actionable it is a movement it is not just staying still so that action though is driven by our beliefs so whether you take an action or an inaction on something it's still based on a belief you had by something and those beliefs are all driven by our thoughts and so how do you break beliefs that hold you back you start by looking at your thinking and it's really hard to do by yourself. We talked last time about accountability partners. This is a time for us to talk about knowing yourself through your human behavior, your comfort zones, the way you can respond, react, and relate Mm -hmm. to other people. And the best way to do that is to engage with a coach because a coach can help you bring out of your subconscious thinking things to the forefront of your mind that will help you get better results and solutions to the things that may be challenges for you. So in wrap up, we're talking about habits and deliberate practices, how you get mastery. We're talking about how reflecting and reviewing on the past only brings you to the present, but you have to take actions to get somewhere into your future. Mm-hmm. And that the tighter you cling to an identity, as James says, the harder it becomes to grow beyond it. So it's sort of like that that frog in the pot. He got comfortable. Nothing was mm-hmm. motivating the frog to jump out of the pot. So think about where you are today. Are you happy? Are you satisfied? Are you joyful? And if you're not, what are you doing about it? In conclusion, really, this is about the secret to results that last. And so James goes into a lot of information towards the end of the book, like we said, about what should you be doing next? What should you be reading next? Little lessons on each of those four laws. I hope that you have found this series to be valuable, friends, as you've listened to us for many, many episodes together. Sam, if you were to try to encapsulate maybe one thing that stood out for you as we've gone through the series, what would that one thing be? I think it's, uh, and James really wraps this up at the end here, is he says it's remarkable, but what you can build if you just don't stop. And so it's that thought process and that idea that if you can really learn and understand how I work, right? How does my brain, you know, work through its behavior and its habits and its actions and all of these things, right? It's like if I can hack that understanding, if I can really get down to it then it'll be amazing what I can achieve through little tiny things if I just don't stop, right? It's just keep going with those little bitty things. And as I've lived this book out loud, right? As I look at my habit tracker, as I look at, you know, this identity from where we started with this to today over, you know, the, I don't know, probably three months, right? We've been doing this. I like, I'm a lot closer to who I want to be because I'm just not going to stop. And I like to me, that's so incredibly powerful. And this book is amazing. If you really like read it, live it out loud, put it into practice. It's it's incredible. 
Yeah, I agree. I would say in closing for me, we talk often about how the things that you think and the things that you do give you the outcomes, but it's all based on the things that you are passionate about, the things that you elevate your potential on, and the things that you really are driving towards the purpose in your life. So if you're just listening to this, if you've never attended our event, called Your Signature Story. That's a retreat where we will take you through an immersive journey over a couple of days on being able to explore those things that you really want in life and helping you grow into the future that you really desire and making sure that you really do have what you just said, Sam, the ability to just keep going because there's a purpose behind it. This has been an awesome time together with you over these weeks. I'm so appreciative for you being my accountability partner. I've grown as always. I have lots of notes and flags and tags all throughout the book. I can't (laughs) wait for us to get ready to introduce what the next book is. Oh, I'm so excited. This has been great. I'm glad you recommended this one because this, I I said this, I think in the opening episode, like I'm pretty sure this book is going to change my life and now at the end of this journey here, I know that it did. So thanks for recommending it. This was a great book. It will always be on my shelf because it's an operating manual that I'm going to pull off frequently. That's awesome. Well, friends, I hope it is for you as well. Again, thanks for being with us. We hope that you'll subscribe and share this podcast. Give us some comments on what changed your life through going through the series or reading the book. Take advantage of all the show notes and the extras that Scott puts into that. Scott, Thank you very much. We know you're out there listening and you might not be on the microphone with us, but you're an integral part of this with us being able to also create better habits and break bad ones. Friends, my name is Denise Russo. And on behalf of my co-host and friend, Samantha Powell, thanks for joining us on this episode of What's on Your Bookshelf.